Uh, Trustee Alvaletta. Here. Trustee Banerjee is not here. Trustee Shee Quinn. Here. Trustee DeVries is not here. And Trustee Peterson has an absence today. We do not have a quorum. Okay. And so um, I'm just going to jump to information items, Mike. Is that acceptable? Yes. And then we'll go back to the beginning of the uh, agenda once Joe arrives. Uh, CFO report. So I'm going to talk about the September highlights, and I'm going to give a cash and vendor legacy AR collection update, and I'm going to make a few comments on the FY20 forecast. First are the volume stats for the month. Um, our acute discharges were actually above budget for the month, and um, not Included in these stats here, I wanted to point out our surgery volume and CMI were up. I think uh, Luis will probably address some of that a little later on tonight. Uh, I also wanted to share that uh, throughout the presentation, I'm going to make a few comments about things I might want to be changing Great. or adding. And one of the things is to put um, observation days and CMI into this report. Mm. Uh, I'll continue uh, after the acute, acute discharges there that uh, September was a great month. It uh, put us on track for the year. Our uh, patient days and length of stay have both been improving. Our uh, daily census uh, is at capacity in, in several places. Uh, moving on to post-acute, uh, we're serving more patients. We're getting uh, more patients through the system. That's uh, great news. Um, our days are, are full, so we definitely have a lot of patients needing that service. On the clinic side, our volumes are down, uh, visits per day are down, and I think Luis will address more of that later. Uh, our deliveries are below plan, and our emergency room visits are below plan. I do want to point out that there, we have uh, gotten word that there's some delays with EPIC. There's not a lot impacting September, but there's still some. So it's going to take a little while to uh, true some of these numbers mm -hmm. up. They would look a little more positive, not hugely in September. Uh, next month will be uh, a bigger story. Going to the next page. Uh, our net revenue <coughs> is up 1.2 million. It's split equally between net patient revenue and supplemental revenue for the month. Our operating expenses are over, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes. I want to point out non-operating activity there. We have a $2.6 million negative variance there. We did record um, our pension uh, non-cash or non-operating um, adjustment. Most We do our measurement date for for the Sereris plan, so I might have to have, I'm probably Sarah. saying it, Sarah. 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 It's yeah. the biggest of the plans. Right. Uh, was in December, and as many of you might know, December is when the market fell, which means our returns fell, which means a negative impact to our financial statements. Uh, we're going to see that when we talk about December the, 17? The end, it's right at the end of the month, I believe, is when the actuarial but um, it was, evaluation. But uh, was it last year or seven, last December. 18. December. Okay, it was 18. Okay, thank yes, you. Yes, thank you. Sorry. Ah, here we go. <laughs> yeah. Well, she needs one, she too. Has it. I was to say. <laughs> no, we're always happy to see our quorum. So I'm going to pause you okay. and we'll go back and uh, reestablish the meeting. You want to? Sure. I guess 
we now have a quorum, yeah. so we'll just note that. Um, <clears throat> are there, there's no public comments? Um, and minutes. Someone want to move on the minutes? I move. Second. <coughs> All those in favor? Aye. Okay. Back to you, Kim. Oh, there we are. Now, uh, both you and Kenny have special duties that we're going to assign at the end of the meeting. Next time you do the meeting, we Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. The trade off. So we're in the middle of our CFO report. Great. All right. So we're talking about the uh, variance in non-operating activity. Uh, so again, that related to the pension, uh, and it, it was based on a measurement date of December of last year, and the market had gone down. So then the impact to our financials is an increase in expense. It is not a cash inflow or outflow, so we treat it as non-operating in this report. Also wanted to note out. Kim, I'm sorry to interrupt it. So we had an audit report yesterday, and uh, was that the note that the uh, firm was making? It is. It relates to mm -hmm. it. So there's two pieces to it. There's what what impacts our financial statements for last year, and also what will impact us for this year. Yeah. Obviously, we will have a new measurement date, December 19 of this year, and then. We'll get those findings in June, July next year and have another adjustment. Got it. So if the market looks like it does today, it will go the other direction. Got it. Don't have a crystal ball there. Right. So, uh, so EBITDA margin, uh, we're at negative 4.8. This month is below budget or unfavorable to budget. And year to date at 3.6 negative, we are better than budget. Moving on here, so here's the detailed list. Um, again, gross revenues are over budget. That's driven mostly by the increase in discharges, the 2.4%. Also, too, we did have uh, higher surgery and CMI. CMI doesn't impact charges, but surgery would. Uh, net revenue uh, is resulting in a 1.2% positive variance for the month. Uh, on the supplementals, as I mentioned, the, the variance was split between um, net revenue, which we just talked about, the 1.2% over, and the supplementals. The supplementals, there's two items that uh, reflect the variance. The first one is a true up to measure A. We true it up to budget. Uh, if you'll know, we were a little slow in getting the spread done because the budget wasn't approved till so late. So year to date, right. it's zero. You can see it there on the supplemental mm -hmm. for measure A. Mm -hmm. Then on the second item is um, just called supplemental programs. There what is happening is we now are providing the capital um, portion of our cost reimbursement uh, over to the county. And so we wanted to be consistent in our reporting. We had done the, the cost report with the most capital dollars. Now what we've done is trued up all three cost reports to provide an accurate reflection of the funds that will move over to the county. All right, next, here's the expense detail. Here, um, the main variance is the second line there, the registry, one point, just about $1.8 million. Uh, however, I want to point out that 
Registry is a component of wages. It's just they're not our regular employees. They're temporary employees. So to get a truer picture, we really should combine them both. So when we combine them both, we are um, 1.5 million unfavorable for the month. And for the year, we are 1.1 favorable. So big shift. So in the month of September was our big push for EPIC. So lots of training occurred. Um, you would expect that our full-time equivalents would be negative also. But I suspect what's happening here is that we capitalized some FTE. And I know the dollars got capitalized, but I'm not sure that we did the exact FTE calculation on the stats. Okay. Over on the uh, year-to-date side, um, there's a couple other variances. General administrative, I just want to point out that that's timing. Uh, I skipped over the benefits of the 2.4. Back in July and August, we had a few uh, large uh, claims that were paid, so it's probably just a timing difference also. And again, depreciation, we talked about this last time. We uh, budgeted flatline through the year. And as we know, Epic and others are going to, other capital um, projects are going to go online in January. Mm -hmm. So we're going to see a, a positive variance in the first half and negative in the second half. Okay. <coughs> uh, I mentioned that I wanted to point out a couple changes I want to make. I do want to go ahead and combine registry with salary and wages. It just doesn't make sense to me to pull it out. I did a little more analysis on it on the next slide here, just so you can kind of <coughs> see where I'm coming from. If you look at the bottom there, you can see the variance of 1.5, a positive variance of the FTEs, which I said kind of doesn't really align. Um, and then I did an average wage calculation there. We are actually 4.9% over, which is attributing to the negative cost variance. For the year, we're actually 9.4%, if you look for year to date. Um, but what's important is if you look at registry, uh, if going over to the year-to-date at 68.6, if you added benefits to that, it's actually a lower cost. Right. So why are we, you know, pulling it out onto the financial mm -hmm. statement when really I think we should just be looking at it as a combined number? I'm sure it fluctuates depending upon who we have here and what we're paying, but uh, I think uh, the better way to reflect it is just in total. Isn't that unusual to have registry be a, a cheaper cost center than I think staffing. in our organization our benefit costs are high okay. uh, whereas in other organizations our the benefit costs might not be as high right um, and it also depends the type of registry we have if you're you know have a lot of higher end you know nurses or uh, those types right, so it's of not, people it's apples and oranges or something yeah, yeah got it so. okay. thank you all right With, uh, just real quick so <coughs> You're, you're, you're wanting to not separate them moving forward, but doesn't that help us kind of operationally to know how we're doing as far as, far as vacancies and, and staff retention, or am I mixing that up? I think um, those are both really good points. Uh, I just don't think this does that for you. Not on this chart, is it? Yeah. So I think what I would prefer to do is combine it and then call out the variances. Because okay. this is really, what I'm pointing out here is it's really just noise, right? It's not something that we need to be concerned about. 
at least from a financial perspective. Right. Luis That's why might, at, from an operational perspective, think, oh, I don't want yeah, any right. temporary people. <laughs> but although, but although I, I think, you know, to Kim's point, I mean, it makes sense we, we, when you're looking at the total labor cost. But, I mean, as far as an operational, from an operational from perspective, you, yes, we track yes. that very closely. I mean, yeah. we have... We have monthly calls to track and look at all of our registry because not only to what Kim was saying, you're looking at a skill mix difference, mm -hmm. but even within the certain skill mix, for example, nursing. You know, a nurse in med surge doesn't cost the same as a nurse in ICU mm -hmm. or a nurse in periop. And so when you're bringing in these travelers or these registry nurses, they have different rates. And, you know, they, there's seasonal rates and there's all these different things that play into it. So we manage that very closely and we look at it separate. But from the reporting perspective, I think it's good to just look at the total labor cost of how we're doing. Well, you look at it very closely, but how does the board uh, stay on top of it? Not that we're scrutinizing everything you do, but it, it, it is a trend that we are, we're going to be you know, interested in, um, especially when we hear from labor partners about retention issues. We're going to want to know what it really looks like. In, you know, so. So I appreciate that you track it, but I, I think it needs to exist somewhere. Maybe not here, but it, yeah, maybe in your operations report. Uh, at a at a roll up level, or how would you like to see, or how would it be helpful for you to see it? Like we do right now, we can like break knowing it down how much registry and how much FTE and, and things, right? Yeah. Like is that again. I know that registry mm -hmm. it can be a problem, right. and it can it can indicate a problem from an operation standpoint. And you so much so that you track it carefully. So it seems like the sort of thing that we would want to see. I agree with you. It doesn't make sense here because the bottom line is the bottom line for what we spent for the month, whether we're over or under. But from an operational standpoint, I figure it should just exist somewhere. Well, we I, we break it down. I have it separated in the COO report. We can continue to do that okay. in the COO report that, just to share with you. Let's just, yeah, yeah, let's just make sure that's that looks like that, that works. That and that that's works. fine. Well, yeah. We have it there, and we'll just keep it in this okay. one. And then the roll-up, it'll just be more combined as a consolidated nice. statement. That's great. Cool. Okay. All right. Uh, so then I'm moving on to the balance sheet now. Um, I took the liberty of removing a couple of stats here. Um, the the uh, days cash on hand uh, because it we, it gets swept it really doesn't do anything it doesn't change it's uh, I, it, anyway so I decided maybe that wasn't a good thing to have on here our gross days in AR is the next item there it is going the wrong direction we're going to talk about that in a minute same with the net days in AR uh, and our accounts payable is uh, is is steady. Um, the other thing that I took off here uh, was the uh, current portion versus long-term <coughs> debt. And I'm going to bring that back, but in a different format next month. I think it's really important, but because we net the receivables and payables on our balance sheet, the way it was reflected here is not technically correct. So I will bring it back. Okay. So we won't see days in uh, days um, cash. Days cash uh, uh, yeah, the days in cash. And... I, I've always thought like that's kind of important to know, right? Or, or why would you not want to do that? I would say in another organization it would be very important, mm -hmm. extremely important. But for us, since the cash is swept, swept every up. day by the county, mm -hmm. we usually have very, very little. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's the it's a little bit on the AHP side that that is not mm -hmm. swept, okay, okay. and that's it. And so it's kind of like. 
Yeah. 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 It's, it's, yeah. it's really important <laughs> when it, it really is a true reflection of the how much liquidity you have. Yeah. Right. Uh, but this sense. one, it's, it becomes an artificial construct okay. because it's, uh, the liquidity is really the credit facility. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And I really appreciate the, the thoughtfulness and you know, giving me feedback. It's very well, helpful. Thank you, and thank you for, uh, you know, That's a lot used to slide to look at than some of the other ones we've seen. <laughs> yeah. she's, she's being very thoughtful about how she presents and what she presents, yeah. and I yeah. think you can see that from what she's sharing. So. Okay, so then this is the cash collection report. Um, it's the same format as, as I uh, displayed last time. Um, our cash collections are down. We talked about it last month. Mm -hmm. um, I want to point out a few things, so bear with me. So beginning in May <coughs> is when we started outsourcing our AR to the legacy vendors. It was supposed to start in April. It did not happen until May. And in May, it only happened for AHP and AHS Core. For Alameda Hospital, that middle column there, it didn't start until June. And for San Leandro, it hasn't started. It started in October. So it just started like two weeks ago. So if you look at the um, drop in cash, it starts pretty much in May with when they were first given the inventory. And you have to recognize they don't just get the inventory on one day and start collecting it, right? They got to work it. They got to have time. There's a ramp up. So you can see that they're ramping up and, the, and our cash has gone down. And then in the last couple months, more so, particularly if you look at it as a percentage basis for San Leandro, like it's a little more than half, but it dropped substantially because nobody's been working it, right? We did it, we sent out a bill, but nobody's been working it. So you can see that we're seeing the impact of not um, outsourcing San Leandro. And you can just see a decrease in the others. So as I told you last month, I wanted to get um, reports from vendors. So that's the next slide. Mm -hmm. This is the first reporting. This is as of September. We now get a weekly report from them. Um, the original placement is 336, um, uh, boy, big number, no. lots of zeros. Billion. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's hard to say. Uh, granted, that's our gross charge. It is, it's not our, it's not, it's not net. And some of this can float back. So I don't want you guys to look at these columns and say, oh my gosh, this one person has written off all of our AR, because you could come to that conclusion if you just started comparing the two vendors, right? right? So I'm still working on this, um, not to mention because of our archiving solution, uh, we're going to go with DataArc, uh, MedQuack. Uh, Med Mediquant, quant, mediquant. Yes, it's data arc to me. That's how I've always known that vendor, and until I uh, started here. Uh, but what we don't want to do is interface that vendor with all of our uh, legacy AR vendors. We've, we've just got the two. There's a few others that work some older accounts. We only want to interface one. So that means we have to take back some inventory that we gave one of them and give it to the other one. And now that so much time has gone by, that vendor is going, well, wait a minute. I'm not going to collect what I thought. I need more money, right? That's mm -hmm. the normal thing that you would expect. Mm -hmm. So we are negotiating that now. And once I get the um, inventory in the right buckets, I will come back and probably next month and give you another update that won't look this skewed. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Dates of service go how far back? 
So we started outsourcing in May, <coughs> a month late, and it was everything 120 days or older. And then we kept, we shortened it 30 days each month until go live. At go live, they're getting everything new. They're going to, you know, collect a whole lot more money. Uh, in fact, just in the month of October, we paid a million because they took over all of our AR. So, um, uh, more to come on this, but I hope this gives you some confidence that we're paying attention <laughs> and yeah. that we got a plan in place. And, um, we realize that we need to collect this AR. We'll talk about it in the middle on the in a minute on the cash flow, but we did predict that we would have a dip in cash flow exactly. for the yeah. Epic Go Live. Yeah. And we're gonna continue with these two vendors on a go forward basis? We are, but one vendor will have a smaller inventory so that we will <coughs> we won't give them any we'll take back any Meditech that they have basically. Because we only want to do one interface with one vendor from data arc, I'm going to call it, uh, to the vendor. Otherwise, we would have to pay for two interfaces. Mm -hmm. We'd have to manage two. Yeah. And so we had to kind of clean this up a bit. That mm -hmm. makes sense. Mm -hmm. Good. So more to come. Yes. <laughs> All right. So the next item is uh, just a summary of what's been in the presentation in previous months. It's basically the change in our accounts receivable. This is actually a net, so it has payables and receivables. Um, it increased um, to 95.7 million. Reason for that is our waiver. Uh, we did an IGT and for 48.3 million. Uh, there's also one for, for Prime, so there's a little more in there, but that's the bulk of it. So that's why it's going up. And then when we look at our forecast, um, hasn't Aren't changed. Yes, it's very close. Um, we've been a little concerned about, about going over. That's very true. Uh, we did make the 27.7 million payment for AB85 recruitment. Uh, so that kind of pushed us up. That happened in, in October. We are, we're planning on the $23 million from the county for retro behavior health. We put that in the December time frame, and then we also have built in here the decrease in collections, so that's part of this line. You don't see it. It's kind of blended there. Uh, and then you see the drop happening in, at the, towards the end of January. Mm -hmm. That's the $46 million realignment funds mm -hmm. um, associated with the HPAC contract. <coughs> We have not put that on our books yet because we don't have a signed contract, so we can't record the revenue until we have that, so we assume that we will be able to do all of that in January. Got it. So if um, if the forecast did amount of $23 million did not happen in December, let's be clear about what happens. Yeah, uh, we are not yeah. in a good position. We have... Um, Communicate it to the auditor controller and to uh, um, the director of healthcare services that um, this the, the narrative that Kim just shared that we expecting uh, these two um, uh, boluses of dollars, um, one of which I think both of which, but certainly definitely one the 46 million is there and just ready to transfer. Uh, it just requires us to have completed the contract, which um, we understand as late as uh, last Thursday that. 
terms, I think, are all with the county council now uh, and being uh, reviewed and finalized and, and then would require then the amendment to be approved by the supervisors. It doesn't require action on this board's perspective of the supervisors. We've communicated that we uh, have this uh, risk and um, this also includes um, part of kind of what's in here is a payback of um, non-federal share of uh, IGTs and so we've said that our timing on returning those dollars as well as then getting these other dollars are all at play here and we need some help in trying to move this forward. Both have acknowledged and uh, are, are having conversations so we haven't gotten any um, um, confirmation yet that uh, things will happen because we are concerned that the uh, supervisors are also on recess in December I believe I don't know uh, but I think so and so we're trying to get the done in November so that then it allows for the administrative piece to proceed in December which would keep us um, or put us in better stead as it relates to this but uh, the arrangement or the uh, terms of the um, the um, permanent agreement are that if we anticipate that we will um, uh, come out of compliance with the plan that we have to do a formal notification and have a, a plan to come back into compliance and effectively that 70 something million dollars is a big part of what would get us back into compliance and obviously continue to buy time for what we expected to be a lag in our revenue cycle as we went live on Sapphire as well. <clears throat> I'm just doing the math to, to go on to a uh, board agenda they need about I think it's two weeks Looking at Vanessa over there. Um, no, they're not. Our, they're just in a brown act. Okay, and then it could go on a board agenda after that. An action item related to the contract and releasing of the twenty-three million and the forty-six million and the forty-six million. Feels really tight. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> Is the health pack contract for services we've rendered back to July 1 or what? Yeah, so uh, the the health pack contract uh, is for, as you, you know, the services for the remaining uninsured. The health pack contract is the mechanism by which we have historically uh, passed through not just the, the, so we call it two parts, the base contract. And then if there is an AB 85 piece uh, and, and there's only been maybe one other year where the state didn't sweep these dollars, uh, where that we've just done an amendment and used that mechanism to pull them through. Uh, so this is this would be an amendment to it. It's not it's not part of that base contract. Okay. Uh, but that contract uh, though is going back to July one. So we do have AR backlog from that time. That's smaller relative to this. The base contract is about thirty million I think or something like thirty two yeah. Yeah, $34 million or so. So we've accrued um, uh, AR for that period from July up to now that once the contract is signed, we'll be able to bill for that as well. Okay. I'm just curious, is there any way to um, restructure the agreement with the county? Uh, so we're talking about county dollars that are due the system here. Mm -hmm. Isn't there a way to... Um, Anticipate that in the net balance. Uh, I think so. I think I, I, that's what I, I, I was. I, I hope I was. I was maybe not so uh, convincingly doing. My guess is that the uh, county would feel more comfortable with a um, a mitigation plan that's related to being out of compliance with the net negative balance when uh, that part of that plan, a big part of that plan, is getting dollars from them. Um, so right. Yeah, I, I'm not even comfortable with the language out of compliance. 
So I'm suggesting, you know, when we reopen that conversation, ah. we find some mechanism to acknowledge this state. Fair enough. Where um, it doesn't become a non-compliance issue. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I, I think that's, uh, you know, a, a reasonable piece to continue with. I think we there's a there's lot a of other lot elements of it that we need to deal with, but, right. but that could certainly be one of them, and we should make note of that so that if and when we get to that conversation, I suspect is more when than if, uh, that, that's an element that we, we, we uh, uh, introduce. Yeah, it's, I just don't it's think embedded we, in the language of the context. Yeah, I don't think it's the intent of anyone in, in this county to, to put the system in a non-compliant state and uh, create a public impression that the system is not being responsible in the way yeah. it's managing. Yeah, especially so. when a big part of that is just the the administrative pieces of moving dollars Precisely. from one side to the other. Exactly. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. All right, so one more slide here. This is uh, the same slide we've had in there. It just says that if all of our liabilities came due today, the worst case scenario, as I've labeled it here, uh, at your end, we would be 179 million uh, over the year end target of 125 million with our <coughs> line of credit with the county. That's pretty daunting. It's, and this one hasn't changed. It's still the you know the prior year waivers. Uh, I don't believe, although I haven't checked in a, a couple of weeks, uh, that we've gotten any new news yet from the state as mm -hmm. it relates to uh, closing of those those years. We'd mm -hmm. expect it. I think when we were talking about this during the budget cycle, uh, that we'd start to hear about this around this time, like between October and December. Mm -hmm. uh, so far, and I'd have to check in uh, with Shulin as well. Uh, we haven't heard anything from the state yet. So. So this is just still holding out. And remember, we said it would be over an 18-month period because it was supposed to be consistent with the uh, being done before the end of the current waiver, right. which is yeah, December right. of uh, 2020. So this is a very important metric for us to be watching and communicating to That's our right. partners. So just, and, and to remember, because when we did the budget, we, we bunched all that together and said, sit it aside, mm -hmm. and we'll cross that bridge if and when we get there, more when than if. And so there is no plan for it. Uh, right. we, we set it to the side and said, when it comes to fruition, we'll, we'll deal with it then as I a collective. Mm -hmm. Got it. With every passing week that's delayed, maybe it's getting more optimistic for our front that if it's... Uh, Hopefully, you know. yeah. Because There's been wouldn't, no, was, wouldn't we thinking October? Uh, it was October that we may start hearing about some of yeah. the years and uh, some of the dollars coming due, but, but the period <coughs> was going December. all the way to December of 2020. Yeah. So a year and a half. That is my report. Great. Thank you. Any, Thank you, Kim. Any other this questions? is this, yeah. all of the changes and the work that you're doing to true up, just so much clearer. So thank you for what you've been doing. Thank you. <coughs> Seems like you're getting your sea legs, as they say. Uh, getting my sea legs. Yes, <laughs> lots to learn. It's, it's, it's different. You know, Some choppy waters. Yeah, <laughs> choppy waters. Right? Hospital is definitely different. And with the with the sapphire transition and the revenues and all of that, I'm sure that you know, 
That I am oh, spending that a lot of time with. Stabilizing, and <laughs> it, it, it'll take a month or two, you think, to, for all of that to stabilize. Well, in all honesty, when you uh, go through a, a conversion like Epic, it, it's probably going to take more like a, a year okay. before you've got it all, you know, going the way you need optimized. <laughs> How about I use the word optimized? Mm. It takes time because there's... You know, you, you build it as best as you can when you start. And then, of course, you know, there's uh, decisions that get made within Epic, within the, you know, how you set it up that, you know, may change when you're live because you don't, you know, you've never worked in that right, system right. Until, until it's live. So we're still, you know, going through all of that and we, our work years are high and we're on, you know, we're on alert. So, um, the team's engaged. I, I couldn't ask for a better team. So that makes a huge difference. It makes all the difference. Thank you. Well, let's go to the uh, COO report. Excellent okay. evening. Well, thank you. I, I will highlight several things. I, you, you have the report in your packet. Uh, uh, I certainly will answer any questions you may have uh, when we go through this. But uh, I'll start off with a couple of important uh, uh, changes we made or improvements, I would hope you would consider to be improvements, uh, and that's in the, you know, we had shared this slide in our last report, which gives us a visual of how we're tracking in comparison to some of the key metrics that we've identified for this fiscal year. Uh, as you can see, we're still uh, lagging behind uh, in, in all these areas, and uh, again, we get into some detail here as far as some of the work that we're doing related to this. Uh, the new add to this is we added a couple of columns there where we're quantifying the impact of, of where we're at as a current state uh, or at the moment year to date. So that, you know, so you can see here that we are under the optometry. Uh, you know, we have those visits where we have a variance of, you know, unfavorable variance of 73 and that equates to uh, those dollars. And so we wanted to just make sure that we kind of kept the uh, a pulse on, on where we're at and how we're tracking on all these key initiatives, not just from a volumes perspective, but also from a uh, cost or, or revenue perspective. Um, as you can see, uh, we, we've got some, you know, where we're dealing with several issues. We've got several strategies in place. I will highlight uh, we've had some, some robust discussion uh, focusing on our primary care clinic visits and, and what we're doing to ensure that we stay on target with those, as well as our labor and delivery uh, initiative of increasing our deliveries. Uh, through this work, we've identified that we've got some challenges in our referral process, and, you know, so there's some... There's some lean um, workflow process mapping opportunities that we are, we have embarked on and that we're looking to uh, ensure that we can streamline that. Uh, I know that Dr. Smith has been ex you know, extremely involved and engaged and out working closely with our community clinics and community partners, uh, with our CHCN and others, to, to make sure that we're continuing to be a valuable resource to them and that we're referring and bringing those patients to our facilities here. And so we do have capacity and we do have the capabilities within our labor and delivery suites. Our challenge right now is, is getting them in uh, smoothly and, and, and going through that process from a referral perspective. So we're working through that. That's been identified as our greatest bottleneck at the moment, and we're going to continue to focus on, on addressing that. I've engaged our lean team, and we're going we're gonna to make sure that we, we streamline that process in a way that will make it more conducive for those external referrals. Mm -hmm. uh, as far as our clinics, uh, under the outpatient women's services clinic volume, uh, one of the things that we, re we realized was we had some challenges uh, with, uh, this was largely attributed, as you can see there, with some challenges with our build. 
uh, we identified as well, once we went live, we identified that there were some uh, some areas that needed to be uh, addressed. Uh, you know, the build was 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 completed in accordance with what was communicated. Unfortunately, uh, uh, when it went when we went live, there were other individuals that uh, that are integral to the process that realized that there were some things that you know were either not considered or, or, or incorporated into that build. So that's been actively uh, addressed or working on that. Uh, you know, Mark and his team are are really uh, on top of, of their game and they're, they've been responding to thousands of tickets and, and the, the timeliness by which they complete those is just amazing. So we're, we're continuing to focus on that, but we're, we're managing that process related to the system-related issues as well as, again, making sure that we are addressing those operational issues related to their workflows themselves impacted by those changes that we're making in the system. So they kind of go hand in hand. Can you, uh, I'm sorry, yeah. back on the bottleneck under labor and delivery, I yeah, I kind of assumed that the labor and delivery ramp up would take some time. Right. And it wasn't like, oh, this is going to happen and we'd immediately see it. So I kind of expected to see a negative variance and then it would slowly catch up. What, just, when you say bottleneck, um, I think of there not being enough of something like a bed or the next step, but you're actually talking about an admissions bottleneck or a or a, is it an administrative one? Explain that to me a little bit better. It is. It's it's a it's an administrative and and uh, I would say administrative and operational bottleneck. It's not that we don't have beds. We have beds. And we have plenty of capacity. What it is is that you have the CHCN. You have a provider that's trying to call in the referral center and doesn't get answered. Doesn't communicate with someone. Mm. Uh, doesn't get an appointment. Doesn't you know? So there's there's different challenges that they they've had. And so you know, Dr. Smith himself, our our chair of labor and delivery. Uh, ha he himself has dialed the referral number and no response, and so we're 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 trying to figure out what you know what's what's happening, what's causing that, and is it because they're dealing with other calls? Is it that we don't have sufficient, you know, capacity to handle the volume of calls? I mean, we're, so we're working through all that right now. Once they do get that referral, then how quickly can we get that referral scheduled, coordinated? Visit you know the visit uh, you know scheduled. I mean, all those things that happen that then lead to you know, the, the patient receiving their services here. So that's why the, the, the deliveries and the, the visits all kind of go hand in hand and are part of this Kaizen and this workflow process because we got to be able to get the patient in, seen by the provider, engaging that relationship and then moving forward with the process for, uh, you know, being their, their, their provider here for when they deliver their babies. And so that it's it's operational in nature, and that's what we're dealing with. Okay, so it's like basically two different issues. There's the referral, and then there's the Sapphire build that was. So is the is that like are they interrelated, or does build and the workflows were something separate from the referrals? So the build was very specific to the outpatient clinic setting. Okay. And so that that's why it's on that line item. I mean, so they are all somewhat connected. Related and connected and not connected, but I mean it's it's one of those things where for the deliveries themselves, it's more specific to the operational workflows and the ability of the referring entities to be able to connect with the facility and ensure that we engage in that process, you know, seamlessly. The Epic-related issues were more from a clinic perspective, where there were just some delays. They were having challenges navigating the system, being able to, you know, manage the patients as they were coming through. And so that's how this all is connected because when you're getting this referral, you're then trying to schedule a visit. You're trying to get the patient in through the visit, and then that's what initiates that long-term relationship. Is that 
make some sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does. I have to ask. I mean, is, is the referral um, bottleneck limited to L and D, or is this across the system? I can't answer that. I will say that this is very specific to, to this area. I know that uh, there's been a tremendous effort that uh, Dr. Bavaria and her team have done in our referral center of making sure that we streamline for specialty care, specialty consults, you know, our primary care. I mean, our, our wait times for all the, uh, most of our areas, including primary yeah, care, has significantly right. improved. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. So specialty. we, at this point, I would say that we're really focusing on this, but okay. the great thing about a lean effort the Kaizen mm -hmm. effort is that as we're peeling that onion, if we find other issues, we also work on making sure that right. those are addressed. So if okay. there's another problem that goes deeper than just this area, we will identify that and we'll make sure that we work through that process as well. Just right. these are the areas we called out because these were the patient revenue enhancement right. strategies specifically. Right. Right. Um, so like that 68 um, out of 200 for the year, we got some babies we need to catch up on delivering. That's absolutely right. And next three quarters. Can I just say, uh, and, two and this is kind of a limit, limitation of a, a, a tool that's actually a good tool. Um, we had a very, I mean, that, that particular line breaks out into like a much longer and a much more exhaustive uh, set of uh, strategies and things that we're working on. So I, I want to make sure we don't um, overemphasize this, com this particular component as a driver for what could catch us up. Uh, we, we are identifying, and part of the conversation we had uh, last week about this was um, there are some changes in the strategy that we thought we'd be able to deploy in terms of uh, working, for example, with UCSF to uh, uh, get uh, additional uh, volume and capacity. Uh, the numbers around the number of births in the county continue to decline, and so um, that, which wasn't news to us, uh, is still it's exacerbated by this notion of what we thought we'd be able to kind of pull over. It doesn't look like it's going to materialize. So, so yeah, there are some. But you said the UC doesn't look like it's going to not either, either possibly not at all, or not in the same way that we thought it would when we it came up with this notion that we could find an additional uh, significant amount of deliveries that they would refer over to us, and that's been a very. Um, and tense conversation with the group to figure out then what what happens as a result of that, and then what happens, uh, uh, um, you know, to complement or to supplement for uh, that occurring. And I think that's still ongoing. To me, based off of our conversations, I would say that's a bigger issue than this. This this uh, um, bottleneck for the uh, referral process. From what I could tell, is like you know one-off, two-off kind of deal. Uh, it is certainly a part where we're going to focus additional strategy to uh, look within our market. It's more of a market share play, uh, even more than it was before. So we do need to get this resolved. But a bigger piece of the fundamental piece was that we thought we were going to have all this opportunity that uh, is looking increasingly uh, less likely. So um, it's a tough conversation that we'll have to have. We're tracking this uh, now, and we're creating not just the tracking of the interventions but the outcomes so that you know come January February if this number is not decreasing and it's actually going up then it becomes a different conversation about the realities that are now presenting to us and what that means in terms of sizing of our uh, infrastructure or our capacity to really um, um, uh, be in consistent or in concert with what the demand is right. and that may that may be a tougher conversation but will be based off of a really thorough attempt to have tried to do something different okay. what percentage were we anticipating in the outpatient women's services would be sort of 
prenatal care in order to feed into that. And I'm just trying to get a sense of like, are were we relying mostly on external referrals or were we thinking about increasing our capacity on prenatal care to feed into like internal referrals? So yeah, we probably, I, uh, I can't remember off the top of my head, I don't know if, uh, if you can, but we can get you that data. Um, yeah, no, I don't I don't have that exactly, the breakdown, but I, we can get that. Well, yeah. We have capacity for outpatient prenatal care, right? Yeah. Yes. And, yeah. and women's services broadly, so it, it isn't right. just the prenatal care, yeah, yeah. No, we definitely do, and that's the issue. Uh, some of this was about scheduling uh, templates and then provider uh, productivity and all those things we've talked about. Um, uh, as Louisa mentioned, Dr. Smith has been very uh, um, collaborative and engaged in doing this. Uh, the question is how, um, I think one of the questions I should say is uh, whether and to what extent we can engage more of our providers and being more entrepreneurial in times where we have the ability to go out and market to other uh, um, uh, primary care providers for bringing in more referrals and not uh, uh, as much sort of waiting on the referrals to materialize. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think there's still some opportunity for us in that space. Yep. And I had a Sapphire related question. Is that, uh, mm -hmm. is that if like for folks who when the build was happening and they didn't put these things in like they missed, not, not, not missed the boat when you had to put these workflows and things. Um, how how hard is it to go back and kind of finesse that again, Mark? I mean, like, if, you know, as you're using it, you realize, oh my goodness, we didn't think of this, and we didn't build this, and we didn't. So the, pro, the, the, the packet we had allows you to go back and do a lot of builds again? <laughs> yeah, and I was actually, I, I took, um, so on this particular area, we've actually been running a small SWAT team. We're going to be doing a bit of a presentation at the uh, full board, board meeting on some, several areas that we're doing this. But the OB area was one of them that I've uh, gotten uh, fairly close to. The good news is that we've actually um, uh, stepped that particular SWAT team down. We were meeting daily with them. And there's a, you know, it's a combination, as with most things, there's people, process, and tools uh, mm -hmm. on everything. So uh, the piece that's most easily actually influences the tool piece, and doing rebuild on that is actually fairly simple to answer your specific question. It takes time; you got to test it, uh, that sort of sort of thing. The uh, people um, areas really around training, and we had some areas in the OB area specifically with some training. Um, some of our some of our people are very computer savvy, and it's a fairly easy lift in those areas. Other people have you know a bit of, bit more of a stretch if they were coming off paper and other things like that, uh, as we had talked about. So we had some training uh, areas that we needed to redo our training. Um, and then process. Um, you know, one of the things um, paper actually hides a lot of process areas where you have, you know, you can, you can, I'm going to say cover things up, not intentionally, but you mm -hmm. can move things around on paper. And a computer system is some, somewhat rigid on how it, uh, how it forces things to happen. We're actually working on that in the OR as an example right now because our timings in our OR um, is very specific on how it does timing for case start and stop. And so we're working through that. Ultimately, having that rigor makes the process better, but there's a learning process in, in doing that. So a few of the things I'm doing this off the top of my head because I haven't looked at the OB area for about a week since, um, since it stabilized, but we had um, four or five order sets that we needed to build out, and those just take some time. I, we'd actually brought order sets to, uh, to you folks uh, for some help uh, with that, but um, order sets take, just take us a while to build out because we need to get our physicians to agree to, agree to them. We had a couple order sets that needed to change um, what we were doing with them. We had a couple of workflows on how we were doing transfer of patients that we hadn't anticipated certain uh, things to happen in those. So there was a variety of things like that that we needed to make changes to. Thank you. Yeah.
Okay, uh, and then the last line item there is very specific to the med surge capacity. This is, so this one, I'm not going to spend too much time on it. This was a, we, we knew that this was going to be uh, an increase after the opening of the third floor of San Leandro. Yeah, right. So, exactly. which again, thank you all for being there yesterday. That was a, a wonderful, wonderful event. Wonderful. So, thank you I all. I like the exoskeleton. Ah, right. That was cool. Um, and then uh, the, the last couple of items there, um, we've, we've talked about the, the BHCS and that, that work that's ongoing. Uh, EPIC, this is more of a long term, you know, throughout the years we're going through this and Kim has mentioned that and she's managing it very closely. And then the IOP, uh, we're continuing with our work to right size the operation. If you recall, the, the initial intent was to consolidate within the site and no, let's keep them, but let's make sure that we structure it in a way that is con you know, consistent with the volumes that are being seen. And so we're working through that process. In fact, we've already made some adjustments that we've had some changes uh, through the normal attrition. And, and uh, we're, we're, we've got groups and we've got, we've remodified all of our sessions to make sure that we're maximizing the productivity of our staff in place. So we'll start seeing that coming to to fruition here very soon. So shouldn't that really be a positive? The what? I mean, isn't this positive, this one? Is well, it it's, a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's. It's not in the red, it's on track. Well, wrong? it's, no, we're, we're still, uh, as of the, you know, year to date, September, we were still working through, you know, the FDEs, so we had a negative variance of 2.98 FDEs and, you know, equaling 200,000. Through that process, like I said, over the next couple of months, you'll see that go into essentially meeting the target I going see. into the okay. So there's still the merger, there's no consolidation. <coughs> no. It's to, it, the right. plan is to keep two, but right size them. Correct. Correct. And as we're going through that, and I will say, I will share with you all that, uh, you know, where we, we decided not to consolidate everything into the Fairmont campus. We have a program here, and we have a program at Fairmont. Right. The Fairmont campus program, and we'll see in some of our slides here that there, there are about twice the volume that we see here at Highland. That said, part of the work that we're doing, working closely with our chair of psychiatry and our director of behavioral health, uh, Karen Wise, is reevaluating the the programs themselves as far as the service that we're providing how we're capitalizing on serving the population and providing more of a setting of clinic visits versus the traditional IOP or you know intensive outpatient program and so the clinic visits which then allows us to maximize our beacon contract and all those other things so that's what we're working through so it, it is taking a totally different shape uh, but we're managing them at the two locations okay I appreciate this reporting. I, I know this is sort of inviting the board to get into some of the weeds, but these are strategies to really no. <laughs> no these are these are. It's worth understanding how hard it is to implement these changes that we assumed as no. It's it's I, cost again, savings. You know it's what? Not, I, I think we knew. You were pretty frank with us about how hard it would be to get at these, and it's good to, to over the year to see. The actual challenge in, mm -hmm. in getting to yeah. to our goals. Mm -hmm. No, I, I appreciate it. I, I think we're we're focused, and and we're going to continue to you know keep each other honest yes. in, in the process. Okay, so uh, a couple of other things that I'll highlight here uh, in population health, the biggest very, uh, deltas that we see here is largely on the outside medical services, mm -hmm. and this was a largely a component of prior year expenditures that came in uh, for services provided at some of our other hospitals. And so we're 
reconciling all that. And so when you're dealing with expenses from 18, you know, I mean, from FY19, 1819, mm -hmm. uh, coming in, that's been uh, a large component of that. And so our team manages that very closely. Uh, we're continuing to track our registry. As you see, we have a broken down here registry on the second line item. That's also a component. It's offset by the salaries and wages, as you can see. It's a, So it's a net delta of, of really favorable at this point. But it's something that we're continuing to focus on, and it's largely on the management positions that we're trying to fill. And provider delivery, uh, again, we're, we're continuing to do well in this area. Uh, I don't really have much to, to share there. You have it in your report. In the ambulatory, I just want to highlight several things. Uh, you know, as you can see on our primary care broken down, uh, several things largely driven by Eastmont. Uh, Eastmont and Hayward, Newark, you see the, the, those visits that are being down. Eastmont, we've, had, we've, had, we've got some vacancies that we're continuing to work through. Mm -hmm. uh, we, uh, not only in the primary care, but also in specialty, largely impacted and driven by dental. And so we're working on those. And again, Dr. Bavaria is working with her teams to ensure that we're over-scheduling and that we're looking at maximizing all of our templates. Um, the Fairmont, as you can see there at the very bottom, that's the, our mobile clinic. Uh, we finalized our contract, and so we're moving forward. We're fully staffed, and we're going to see that ramp up, so we'll be able to come back on target with that. Now, when you look at the expenses, uh, you would expect them to, to, to be down. Visits are down. Expenses are down. Well, I, I just, you know, sharing that September and October are going to be somewhat interesting months when we report on those. I mean, we're looking back, but, it, you know, it's... We had multiple things happen, and as I transition into the acute care setting, so we had the month of September, we had a strike at Alameda and San Leandro, and then we were doing the entire ramp up coming up to go live on September 28th. So what you see here, and, and as you can see, our salaries and wages are uh, slightly over budget by six, by, by 1.6%. When I look at the key st uh, statistics or indicators, when you look at your FDEs, you're 14 under or 2.8 percent under your clinic visits are slightly under by 1.4 percent your FDE per clinic visit is you know it's target so you're, you're managing productivity but you're doing it at a premium and that's when you see your expense per clinic visit 209 versus 206 unfavorable so again we were using this is where you start seeing some of the premium time over time when you have staff that are coming in for training and stuff of that you know things of that nature so that's what then drives your total salaries and wages on top okay I'm um, assuming that's true for a strike as well. Yes. Well, but the strike didn't affect them. This is ambulatory. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so in, now here, we're looking at the acute care. And so this is just our volumes. We've, we've seen our volumes. I think Tim spoke, uh, Tim, Kim spoke to, sorry, Kim. Kim spoke to the volumes uh, and how we saw our patient activity. Uh, of, of, of note is our surgeries were strong for the month, again, as Kim mentioned, and that, that has a direct impact on our charges. Uh, emergency visits, uh, you know, Highland was busy. The other hospitals uh, continue to show that declining trend. Now, I will say, though, that when you look at Highland uh, specifically, we are, you know, for the month, we were favorable by 1%. Uh, year to date, we're down by 2%, but we're still higher than previous year mm -hmm. already. So that, that shows that Highland, you know, still continues to be somewhat uh, flat and we're, we're, we're maintaining those volumes. Um, and again, you see the deliveries, we call them out here, we were at 87 versus 115. Now I will tell you that we dug into this, this is where, I, on some of the notes in the bottom, I'll explain what that means. There's a direct connection to our system now, as we're drawing data, we're taking you know, information from the system. If the charges and if the encounters aren't entered into the system, they don't get counted, it didn't happen. 
And so if there's a delay in that process, Mm -hmm. when this picture is taken, it shows. In actuality, in September, we had 113, not 100. Yes, not, not 87. So, again, what we're working on now is working with our departments, providing training and making sure that our staff is accountable to make sure that they're entering the data timely, that they're capturing and they're, at the end of the day, this applies to every service that we do in, in, the, in the organization. We need to make sure that as services are provided, they're clearly, doc- clearly documented and accounted for so we can make sure we're capturing everything. Okay. So we got that. That sapphire thing, right? Yeah. Sapphire thing. <laughs> That's right. What's the? Do you recall what the year to date on the deliveries is? The year to date here? Well, it would be the only delta would be the thirteen added to that, so it would be about three. Up the previous right. One. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, that's a different story then. It's it, it's, it's, be, it's better, uh, but we're we're working through that. So, like I said, uh, the team is actively working to uh, so make sure we're capturing those. Does that thirteen come off of that sixty-eight variance? Yes. Yes. Okay. I'm yes. sorry, man. Yeah. Kind of what I was so, Luis, we still have a five-day lag, right? So maybe yeah. not all of those did, but, but yeah. yeah. So, again, well, we're, we're going we're gonna to see this become more real-time, and the expectation from our team is that this needs to happen uh, within 24 hours, you know, to make sure that we're, we're capturing those. Okay, uh, and then when you look at the at the fine, the labor, the expense side of the, you know, so we saw volume, now you're looking at the expenses. It's very clear here. You can see that uh, largely impacted by those activities. Uh, the largest driver being registry at, at uh, you know 137 percent or so. So we were at uh, 1.3 million uh, total, um, and uh, that was the 1.5 million that that uh, Kim mentioned earlier. So largely driven by the acute care uh, SBU, and that's the the. You know the result of everything we just talked about the the ramp up and the impact of the strike the ramp up of the training and activities happening and that's reflected same on the statistics that i'm showing you here you're seeing that uh, the cost expense per adjusted patient day is up by 15 percent so again using a lot of premium time using our registry the training doubling up with staff all that work that happened with uh, those efforts i'm not going to ask you this question to, to be answered now but it's is there an internal evaluation of the actual cost when there's a walkout? Is that something that staff does? The actual cost. Yeah. So, so we did actually. I, 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 Tony's not here, but we, um, we did uh, have some effort to capture kind of not just the cost of bringing registry in. There's a lot of cost to actually, you know, have people focus on that. Uh, and uh, we, as you uh, know. Uh, diverted a lot of our other kind of managerial and other staff. I mean, we had HR people uh, emptying trash uh, uh, cans and things like that during that uh, day across the organization, and all of us were deployed across the two sites as well. So I think we did have some effort to, I know we started the effort. I don't know if I actually saw that true number or that uh, more uh, robust number, but I'll I'll check on that. Yeah, But I know that we did do it because we wanted it to be uh, something that we... uh, we catalog. Yeah, I think in the future it would be wonderful if the finance committee could get a yeah. some sort of round number at least. We can share. Uh, yeah. The answer the answer is yes, and yeah. and uh, we'll That's we'll just I work assume. we'll work on the yeah. Well, the answer is yes. We'll work on getting you the detail. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot that goes into it, right? I mean, you know, you're you're bringing in staff, temporary mm-hmm. staff, but then it's offset by the staff that didn't show up. 
yeah. right? And so there's you know there's all these different things. So but there is we can get that information. And, and we had to, as you as you know, it was a it was a one day labor action. Uh, but you are hard pressed to. Uh, bring in staff for one day right. and end up having to make longer term commitments right. and those add to your cost too. You can leverage that staff for other uh, purposes but those are still costs that you didn't anticipate and so it ends up, end up being added to that. that no, so I think it's a purview of this committee to, to get some report on yeah. financial hits that we take and because yeah. we're in a very limited That's resource situation. Well, we'll bring that back. Oh, we can share that information. That number is. And then that yeah. can be shared with various stakeholders. Yep. Thank you. Yeah. I have a question on yes. the one oh. of the previous yes. slides. So the 46 percent. This one here. Uh, yeah. Oh, expenses no. over budget on the leases, rental things. Like, what is it? The building equipment lease rental was like 46 percent above budgeted. Oh yeah. So it's what was was that like a few big ticket? Again, the, some of that oftentimes has to do with the timing okay. of, of certain, you know, invoices and how they're processed and stuff. So uh, when you when you look at it, uh, year to date. Yeah, I mean, well, even year to date, we're we're uh, seeing a significant variance. So I'll, I'll have to dig into that a little deeper. But I mean, again, some of it attached in the past and historically has done with with uh, the timing. You know, sometimes you know certain things are front loaded and then you don't see them for the rest of the year type of okay. thing. But we'll I'll certainly dig into that and get you some more detail for. It. Uh, behavioral health. Um, I, I think we've talked a lot about behavioral health. Uh, the reality here is that we've had uh, relatively uh, flat volumes as we had planned, and as you know, we're, we're right on budget, right on target. But again, we continue to be impacted, obviously, by uh, more largely in the emergency visits, which is the result of our census holds. Um, we're continuing our work to. Uh, fill our vacancies to fill the positions. You know we're using premium time, so that that is reflected on the next slide here. When you're looking at your expense per adjusted patient day, we're using a lot of premium time to cover current shifts at the moment. I am very pleased to share with you all that uh, uh, as as I continue to work closely with the team out at John George and and uh, our labor partners, uh, we recently uh, completed our discussions and and uh, I guess negotiation around. Uh, the complete rebid and rescheduling of all of our mental health specialists. And that's a huge step for us because we received full agreement from the staff uh, and labor to proceed with a revamped schedule that goes into an eight-hour schedule. We're eliminating all 12-hour shifts. Um, that was really non-negotiable from my perspective. I mean, a 12-hour shift in John George, that's a long time. It's a tough environment, and eight hours is just tough enough. And so... So we made eight-hour schedules. Uh, there was some pushback, but I think largely everyone agreed. And so we, we have a great schedule. We have a core staffing that ensures we have not only our, our you know, staff positions that are mandated and required through our panel of corrections, but also additional staffing to support the one-to-ones that are just inherent to the environment. And so, uh, so that's a big deal. So we, we, we hope that by December 1st, it will be fully implemented. We will go through the entire bidding process where everyone will go through that whole shift of you know full timers, part timers, sans, all that stuff. Then we'll know exactly what the true delta is. I already know that there's multiple sans that have an interest in coming becoming permanent employees. So I'm hoping that that delta at the end will be relatively small, and then uh, we'll be externally recruiting for those. But uh, we've revamped our job description. We've done a lot of work to make it uh, a little easier for us to attract talent and bring them into this environment. And so. Um, very happy to see that progress moving forward. Our next step is to do the same thing with nursing.
And so we've already engaged in those discussions. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to capitalize on, on I think, some very favorable uh, relationships and, and uh, you know, trying to exercise that before my window closes. <laughs> and uh, and so we're, we're going to work to get that done here in the next yeah. several weeks. Well, I assume Big transformation. It I is. assume those conversations have a positive financial result. Is that fair to assume? I think I, I, you know I think so I mean you know there well there there is a uh, you know as I shared with you all last uh, last meeting when I gave the broader presentation I mean you know we did increase the number of staff based on what we, you know uh, as compared to what we had originally budgeted so we did take about a three and a half million dollar hit or we will be now, now we won't that's yearly so recognizing the timing and the several months that we haven't had those positions filled and things like that, but there will be an impact overall that was not budgeted and so we're going to have to work hard to mitigate that. Um, but you know that you know just want to you know, make sure you're aware that that was we did add FDs and resources. Lots of FDs, yeah, yeah it was quite a few. It was about it was about 28 or so 30 FDs that were added uh, as a result of the plan of corrections and some of the revamped workflows that we put in place and all those things. Yeah. And so that was beyond the budget. Uh, we'll have to mitigate that expense. Um, but I'm hoping that uh, you know we'll see some improvements as it relates to the reduction of premium time. Yeah, that's what I was saying. So, so we'll, we'll see how that will help offset some of that. And so, again, not only improve care, improve quality, reduced overtime, all that good stuff. Perfect. Good. Okay. Um, and then post-acute continues to be very strong. Uh, again, Richard, is he just runs a tight ship out there and, and, uh, and uh, continues to support really in a very positive way uh, the organization. So, uh, again, his expenses largely driven by the prep and the work happening with you know go live and the, the amount of work that they put in um, to to really support the the launch of their post acute module for for epic and then system support uh, is again managing closely and and uh, supporting you know the system so other than that if you have any questions specific to the report I'm happy to answer those but at a high level that's where we're any other questions Good no thank you excellent Thank you very much for both your reports. Uh, let's go on to action items. We have two contracts for consideration. Uh, C1 is an agreement with Alameda Inpatient Medical Group, Inc. Welcome. Hi, thank you. Um, I will be presenting the proposed renewal with AIM, and actually I should modify that already. It's not a renewal, it's actually going to be an extension as well as a modification of the current underlying agreement. I tried to make it as clear as I could in the actual um, summary, but at a high level, we entered into the current agreement three years ago with AIM. We've been very happy with the services provided by that group. Um, the one thing that I would say is the important element to understand is that due to census growth that outside stripped what our understanding was and estimations were when we entered the original contract three years ago. We have already had to enter into an amendment to this agreement actually in April of this year, modifying the permanent amount of staffing by a significant amount mm -hmm. because we were having to overly utilize, shall I say, flex or jeopardy shifts and that was proving unsustainable for the group to actually being able to identify the equivalent of a substitute teacher at the last moment. Mm -hmm. So for everybody's sake, we decided to go ahead, amend, and add 
that extra two FTEs. That helped, but the actual nature of the situation and our projections going forward is that we need even more. Um, and so what we're proposing in the arrangement before you is to have a one-year extension um, to modify the current arrangement to add an additional 1.33 permanent FTEs. This would bring us from what had originally been six FTEs three years ago <coughs> to 9.33. Um, the totality of those FTE additions are being deployed to increase the number of daytime shifts. This is because our ratios between doctors and patients that they are able to see is based on day shifts, not night shifts. Mm -hmm. So we already have one person at night, mm -hmm. and we have currently two, I'm sorry, three in the day. And what we are now proposing under the proposed amendment is to add that 1.33 FTE, and that will compose a new swing shift. And so that will give us better coverage across the entire 24-hour cycle. Um, in addition, we are proposing to eliminate the flex slash jeopardy shift. Um, after discussion with clinical leadership, it was determined that in pretty much any reasonable extrapolation of what we should be seeing in a census environment, the 9.33 permanent FTEs that we're requesting should be more than sufficient. We will also be monitoring, and if it looks like we have underestimated again or there's a surge we couldn't anticipate, we would come back as soon as possible with a proposed amendment for whatever the modification, in all likelihood, the inclusion of the jeopardy shift once again. Um, aside from that, I would say, as my understanding, the the rest of the services are carry over in their proposed um, nature. Are there any questions? No. no. I I move approval. Oh. I'm sorry. sorry. We've got to move. Yeah. We can have a discussion Second. afterwards. Second from Michelle. Um, well, quick discussion. I, I just have one question. Yes, sir. Fiscal, under fiscal implications, um, there's the statement known that there's no negative fiscal implications for this amendment. Is that, is that because you're assuming corresponding revenue? Um, I, th the increase the I think in the way that this was used is that it's been included in the budget. So they were anticipating with regards, yes, with, so we, we know if we would say there's a fiscal implication, that can be a broad term, but in this particular case, I can see the way we've drafted this, yeah. and it's generally making sure that we don't have a negative variance coming at you. It's included in budget. That, that makes sense. Thank yes. you. Yes, you're welcome. Uh, and to a certain extent, I mean, I think to IRS point, to a certain extent, I mean, we've been staffing it. We've been using, right. leveraging the Jeopardy, we've been staffing, we've been ramping up, and uh, this really largely will support our ability to, tr you know, we have a lot of transfers, and the busiest time of the, of the day is that swing shift. Right. And so now by having a, instead of having just a physician, you're trying to bring a Jeopardy in, you're trying to bring someone in, we have someone in place, we can facilitate the transfers between facilities mm -hmm. much easier. So this really sense. makes a lot more sense, yeah. yeah. Great, so I'm gonna call the question, all those in favor? Aye. Opposed? All in favor. Okay, thank you. Let's move on to the next item, which is uh, agreement with rehab, uh, care. rehab care. So what you saw yesterday. Yeah. Yes. This is it. Okay. okay. Move approval. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we have a great relationship with rehab care. They've done phenomenal work. They've really transitioned and, and have <laughs> elevated the practice of the of the of, of our service line, of our inpatient acute rehab service line. The fact that we've been, you know, CARF accredited. I mean a lot of this work and a lot of the support and the bench strength that they provide. They provide key staff members that really help facilitate the patient flow and patient movement. Mm -hmm. uh, again, this has been a very, very, uh, I think, a great uh, collaboration and a, and a strong partnership between us and, and uh, Rehab Care. I move. I move that we 
All in favor, yeah. Second, all in favor? Yep. Aye. Yeah. We're there. Cool. Okay. Um, let me it's just it, officially, right? though, I think we're. Yeah, you're done. Uh, issues tracking, I think we're, there's nothing new to add there. I, I do want to appreciate staff again for uh, sticking with us through those uh, anticipated change areas, um, revenue enhancement areas, and we look forward to the future reports on those. Um, let's close the meeting. Do you, do you want to add, um, just so we'll have it for the record, do you want to add the labor action valuation to your issue log and then we'll just bring that back to you? Yeah, if you want to make oh, yeah. that more formal. Yeah. That would be terrific. Yeah. We can do that. Yeah, thank you. Okay. 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 I'm going to close the meeting. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Excellent. Cool.